welcome to another edition of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Janolfi. And Howard Marlowe. Uh, thanks very much to Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network for hosting us. On our last podcast, we covered the inauguration. Today, we want to take a moment to talk about 2020 in a nutshell, uh, cover the Water Resources Development Act and the Energy and Water Bill that was passed on December 27th in the omnibus package. Um, and then we'll move on and talk about the core work plan, which was released on the 19th of January. So let's get started. It sounds good because we got a lot of things going on, not only with what you mentioned, but obviously with the new administration. So right. we're going to get to all of it. Jam-packed. So. Starting off, 2020 was a challenging year. Howard, we battled public health crises, financial hardship, racial inequity, and of course, natural disasters. During all of this, the U.S. faced the most active Atlantic hurricane season on record. Our nation sustained $22 billion disasters in 2020, more than ever before. Our coasts need attention from our nation's leadership. And with a new administration focused on climate change and sea level rise, a new Congress and a new leadership for the Corps of Engineers, 2021, in my opinion, will kick off a new decade for the American coastline. 50% of the American people live within 50 miles of the coast, if you didn't know that. Regardless of political affiliation, coastal resilience is a bipartisan issue affecting red and blue states alike. Mother Nature sees no geographic, territorial, or political boundaries. Now, beaches and other coastal infrastructure support local economies that provide billions in federal beach uh, in federal tax revenue. New Jersey, for example, uh, what was it? Almost ten billion dollars last year in yeah. in in, uh, in federal tax revenue alone. Yeah, it, it's uh, staggering when you look at it because of all the the jobs and the um, money that is spent. Understand that it was down somewhere in some parts of the uh, coast, but the fact is, it's real important to tax revenues that come into the federal government every year. Right, and these are these are not just from the rich people who have houses right on the coast. This it's is from, from the everyday people who are going, who are day trippers sometimes, yeah. coming just coming and going to the beach. Um, just a reminder: Hurricane Sandy, Harvey, uh, Irma, Maria. Those are stark reminders of the horror that natural disasters can bring to coastal, coastal towns. And the point that I really want to make is that recovery takes time and resources that not a single community that I know has stockpiled. Correct. They really need some help. Opportunities to work with the federal government come in waves. And if there's one thing to know about working with Congress, the Corps of Engineers, or any other federal agency, it's this. You need to be in the water to catch the wave. This means having a team in Washington, D.C. that can speak to your congressional representatives about your unique challenges and goals. After 40 years of working in this process, I think Howard can tell you honestly that those communities that are most active and effective advocates for their needs are far more successful for those who are just letter-writing spectators. Amen. You need to have experts on your team, local governments. You have experts who know how the process works, both the congressional process, Corps of Engineers process, NOAA, whatever the other agencies are that you're working with. Then you are far ahead. So just another reminder as we kick off uh, 2021, this is going to be a decade of coastal advocacy uh, and coastal innovation that will determine whether coastal communities can keep up with climate change. Coastal communities, Congress, and the Corps are all seeking new ways to defend our coasts against rising seas, flooding, and hurricanes. This will come with a new list of winners and losers based on who is prepared and who is not. So uh, before we get started, I encourage you to be curious, concerned, and wary of the future of coastal resilience now so that your years ahead may be safe, dry, and prosperous. Absolutely. I think this is the time when local community leaders, I know that there are a lot of things going on, 
particularly with COVID, where the leadership is very engaged, uh, trying to get shots to everybody in the community if they have doses. But seize your opportunities. This is the opportunity in, as you said, 2021 kicks off the decade that will make the difference for all coastal communities in this country. Will we be able to keep up with or at least catch up with what is happening with sea level rise, climate change, increased storms, flooding, all of the things that are facing every coastal community? And that includes the Great Lakes, incidentally. So we've been very concentrated there as well as east, west and Gulf Coast. Right. I mean, there's there's something to be said for getting on the hype train. And I mentioned in our in our last podcast that just about all the news that I'm seeing uh, come through, and shout out to E&E News because we are a subscriber. It's, it's great information. But a lot of the news articles that I'm seeing, uh, you know, are just positive in the sense of we're doing something about climate. We're doing something about sea level rise. We're doing something, you know, about, about uh, decarbonization. Um, now, I think there is something to be said about getting on the hype train, whether it's GameStop or whether it's, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, looking at the fact that Biden is talking about climate now, you know, if you have an interest in the coast, uh, now is definitely the time to to get started. Amen to that. So uh, let's jump into Worda. I'm sorry to do this, Howard, but let's rewind to 2020 for just uh, just a minute. Uh, Days before the 117th Congress was sworn in, the 116th Congress passed a massive omnibus package uh, that included the FY21 energy and water um, funding bill for the Corps. So that uh, there were some provisions in, in WARDA. The, the, the omnibus package, let's just say it this way, is one of the most omnibus of packages I've ever seen. It included uh, not only some short-term COVID relief, but it included, as you said, WARDA and energy and water appropriations. So let's focus for a moment on the uh, WARDA right. provisions. Now, we've got a WARDA deep dive up on the Waterlog uh, website. So if you go to waterlog.net, you can get our deep dive into it. But let me just mention three provisions that I think are important in, in WARDA, uh, or the least of the most important ones. Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund starts out right in Section 101 all the way to Section 104, as I recall. Basically trying to get all of that income from the uh, fund, the Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund, plus part of the a large part of the money that is already in the trust fund spent. <clears throat> it's sitting there. And uh, this is an effort to try, the hardest effort that Congress has made to try to get that spent. Take a look at those provisions if you have anything to do with uh, harbors, navigation channels, federal navigation channels, that is. Second point, uh, principles and requirements. Now, this gets into techno kind of talk, but the bottom line is, if you have a project for the core, it is designed currently under the principles and guidelines, P&G. This would change them to principles and requirements. They are different. They have different balances, and they are trying to be more encompassing of your benefits. So, and the bottom line is, your BCR will be different. Will it be better or not? I don't know. But the fact is, pay attention to it and take a little bit information more about uh, in, the, uh, in the deep dive. Now, third provision I want to mention and highlight, beneficial use of dredge material and dredge material management plans. Take a look at section 125 in the deep dive. Use of sand or the wastage of sand is probably the most significant issue 
that we have facing us along the coast, other than the bigger issue, obviously, of resilience and adaptation. But we can't be resilient or adapt without making use of sand supplies, not only for beaches, but for marsh restoration and all the other things that come there. So if you want to see what's happening and what Congress trying real hard to do, look at Section 125 of order. I think those are three provisions, Dan, to take a look at. That's good. Now, we, we don't have our own agenda, or at least don't post our own agenda. I mean, we obviously represent clients. But if you're looking for something um, to give you a, a good sense of a legislative agenda for 2021, 20, uh, look at the American Shore and Beach and uh, Coastal States Organization legislative agenda that they've put together. Uh, that came out recently. And these are always science-based policies that are founded off the needs of coastal communities uh, and grounded in truth by hundreds of researchers, engineers, and other coastal practitioners who are members of the ASBPA and CSO. Yeah, it's important because they have also uh, their number one thing is better sediment management. So it ties into just what we said. Improved permitting. A lot of folks listening, we never talk about permitting because we can't stand the issues of, and, and you know, it's hard to stand it or understand it. Uh, regular and predictable funding. Uh, Lord knows we would like to have that from the federal government. And then responsible development are just four of the things that are discussed in that. So uh, go to the either American Shore and Beach Preservation Association website or Coastal States Organization websites. Just take a look. You'll find their, uh, their policies are not just those bullet points. They go into depth. Yeah, the ability to have uh, the ability to plan for funding or, or to have a budget years out really impacts the ability of, of dredgers. That's the conversation we actually had yesterday. Right. Uh, suppose you're trying to nourish the entire, well, we're talking about East Coast. Let's just jump to, just go hypothetical and talk about the California coast. Let's suppose you had to nourish the entire coast of California. The dredgers and the Corps can't even begin to coordinate until the money has been appropriated. So essentially, you might have four or five projects that are literally neighbors. They're right next to each other. But the Corps can't even begin having conversations of how they could work those projects so that they could achieve cost savings by using the same dredger until the money is appropriated. So if we were able to get funds into the president's budget, that gives them a little extra time, but we haven't seen that in years. No, there's been zero or next to zero in the last uh, few years in the president's budget. If Here's the difference, because what's in the president's budget can be changed, but it, it can't be changed by congressional earmarks. So bottom line is you have to wait for the work plan to come out, which it has come out, uh, but in January. So almost a year later. Exactly, because the president's budget normally comes out in February, whether it comes out this month or next month because of a new administration. But bottom line is February, March. And then you wait around to the next January, February for, for the work plan to come out. And there's no time. That money has to be spent that fiscal year, which is September 30th. It ends September 30th. So let's suppose only three of those five projects get into the work plan. Now you screwed up the whole idea of efficiencies because you really may have one at one end of the state and three at the other end. And, you know, so if we had five year budgeting, oh, this would this would look a lot. Absolutely. Better. You know, and if we were uh, in charge, that's the way it would work. <laughs> Day one. Let's promise uh, right now. Let's move on to energy uh, and water. Uh, and, and then talk about the work plan. Okay. Uh, just a reminder, you can refer to our shore protection tracker. That's again on the left side. If you log on to waterlog.net, uh, you'll see in our little, uh, our announcement section. Uh, the FY21 energy and water bill included $151.5 million for shore protection in FY21, as well as seven new study starts and seven new construction starts. Very healthy numbers there. 
Uh, it's greater than last year, uh, greater than last year, but falls short of FY19, which included 171 million uh, for shore protection after a disastrous hurricane season. I just want just another reminder: in real real dollars, the investment in coastal projects has remained relatively flat. Uh, I don't want to get into too much of the nitty gritty, but there's the essentially the water resources discount rate, which essentially depreciates projects at what between four to seven percent every single Correct. year. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's a rough one, and what's happening is that the need at 170 whatever million. Is the need is greater than 171 million is the point to be made actually, and so um, you know we've had discussions, uh, and you've said it before and things that you've said and and, and uh, written, the needs in New Jersey alone fiscal 22 23 uh, are going to exceed the amount of money that Congress added to the president's budget if you don't start out with good money, good amount of money, then Congress can't really plus up to meet needs, and then people start falling behind, and I don't know what's going to happen. Just to put things in context, the entire need for the New Jersey coast could be the entire shore protection budget. Yes. So For sand, for, ampl- for putting for, sand just on there. For putting, yeah, just for Exactly. Research. It could be. And, and that doesn't count, obviously, Florida. Uh, mentioned New Jersey a lot because projects went in post-Sandy. Some of them are still going in New York and, and New Jersey. And, but those that went in in the, quote, early years post-Sandy are now coming up for renourishment. So there's a lot coming up for renourishment. There's no disaster bill. We are not wishing for disasters. But there's no disaster bill to pay for them. There's regular appropriations. There's not enough money. Other good news, uh, pre-construction engineering design, PED, uh, good news for California, and I think Norfolk as well. Yes. Also got PED funds. PED funds. Uh, this is another client of ours, but the real victory here is the uh, the defeat of OMB, who for years we have been battling on the BCR issue. Yeah. So, I, I think it's important for people to realize that uh, in the end, OMB has the decision of what goes into that work plan and and starts out with what goes into the president's budget, and then what goes into the work plan, which is additional funds allocated by Congress. Well, they're allocated specifically to projects by OMB. So the same people who do the president's budget are actually allocating the work plan. So the bottom line is that there are ways to influence every step along the way of what the district does, what division support, what headquarters supports, and definitely including what the assistant secretary of the army and OMB for the administration do. It's a long chain of command. And we were real happy last year when two of our clients got uh, money for PED that OMB had opposed for a long time, they got money again. And and actually another another victory two years out. Yes, which is something that we really don't see. Yeah. Typically, they want to appropriate just what you need yeah. and not a cent more. Exactly. So this is another unique case. Um, Speaking of unique, we had another one. One. Why don't you go ahead and take that? Well, one? we had we had. Um, the first ever that I can remember since certainly Sandy uh, of a new start feasibility study for a beach nourishment project in, uh, is it called North Ponte Vitra mm-hmm. in Florida, in, in uh, St. John's County. Uh, it's significant, uh, aside from the merits of the particular case, which is not a client of ours, but it, it is an area of severe erosion. But it's significant because it is a first. It means that there's another 
project in the works that is starting with feasibility study. If he gets authorized, then a new project. There are not there have not been that many new projects since fiscal ninety six, and in fact, we think there really haven't been any other than disaster funded bills. And if any of our listeners are like me and they say, "Hmm, you did it too," maybe I can. Yes. Get thinking because yep. this is this is a uh, this is a milestone. Absolutely. This goes also for other kinds of projects. Uh, the, the kind of projects where you take uh, nature-based uh, projects, back bay projects, things like that. These all require studies. Everything re in the core requires a study, and, and, and justifiably so. You can't do any engineering project, whether you're doing it in private sector, public sector, without some kind of study. Studies require authorizations. Authorizations require funding. All of that requires something new. That's a good lead into uh, more exciting news. A huge number for planning assistance to states, almost $14 million. Now, the House, the House's figure was much lower yeah. on what they requested. So it looks like the, these requests are coming from the Senate side. Um, we love this program. Uh, go check it out. Use it. Let us know if you need any help. Um, this planning program assistance is to states, absolutely. You can look, just Google that uh, term. Different districts have, uh, of the core have um, fact sheets on this. They all come down to the same point. You can get help from the core, technical assistance for planning. At a very low cost. And you don't have to be a state. You can be a locality and even a nonprofit. Uh, we already sort of talked about this uh, when we were talking about dredging. Uh, the Maryland Atlantic Coast, the entire Atlantic Coast of Maryland is getting uh, their short construction projects re-nourished. Right. Um, and then finally, the beneficial use of dredge material projects have also been funded. Uh, that was something we've, year over year, we see money being put into the program, but not necessarily for actual projects. Now we're finally seeing uh, some pretty big sums being allocated. Um, I know almost $20 million up in Massachusetts. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know what some of the other projects are, if you remember some of them. But no, I don't, as usual. But these I are think big the, projects, though. Uh, they are big. And I think this is, these are all pilot projects, a pilot project program. In one of the rare cases, and, and fortunately happening, where in WERDA they started out the beneficial use pilot program uh, a couple of years ago, and then uh, Congress started to fund it, fund it and found a way to get that put into the budget, which is the hard part because they can't do earmarks. So it is getting done. These are different projects in different places that are pilot programs because they're testing out different ways that you can effectively use that sand supply. So that's what beneficial use of dredge material means. So that's what we got for energy and water. Now, let's take a minute to talk about the administration. One of the things that I read very early on was that climate will touch everything. And so far, that's what I'm seeing. Even, mm -hmm. um, even Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen mentioning climate. Um, what else? We have, we have uh, the uh, Transportation Secretary is being confirmed this week, mm -hmm. Pete Buttigieg. And uh, it's touching there. He's mentioned it in his confirmation hearings. <clears throat> it's in every cabinet secretary, because they have to go through a nomination process. Each one of them so far has been mentioning it in one way or another. Certainly the president has mentioned it in joining the Paris Climate Agreement, things like that. But I'm talking about in terms of working cabinets, that is working departments of the federal government. Each of them is focused in part, at least, on climate change. Very good news. Very good news. You know, let's say, you know, when you got so much good news and we want, don't want to talk about bad news, you know, the last time we were together, there was 
still bad news going on. And while there may be still bad news going on in some parts of the country and a little bit here in D.C., the fact of the matter is that we are going forward and forward upward, which is good. And I think our urge here the coastal communities is, you know, let's take up the opportunity. Each of you, it is not going to come down from Washington, it's going to come up from you. Local communities, cities, towns, boroughs, whatever you may be, you can do it. Thanks very much for everyone tuning in. Uh, next podcast, we will have joining us Tom O'Shea, the Director of Coast and Natural Resources for the Trustees of Reservations, an organized that protects roughly 27,000 acres all around Massachusetts. He'll be talking about coastal innovations and his group, that his group has been a part of um, and the state's inaugural State of the Coast report. Be back with you guys in March. Look forward to talking with you. Until then, signing off. Bye-bye.